When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Sometimes it's the normal, sometimes it's the abnormal, and sometimes it's the paranormal. But it's always beyond reality. Welcome to the program, everyone. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Great show for you tonight. We've got not the usual one terrific guest, but we've got two terrific guests guests in fact in the first part of the show we've got good friend scotty roberts coming back to the show we're going to talk about something kind of unique tonight we're going to spend a little bit of time he's not going to be with us for a full hour but we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the revival in paranormal reality television some of the new shows that have premiered that are um well into their first or uh, maybe in some cases uh if they're a reboot or a re uh introduction of a show like ghost hunters i don't know if you call it their first season or if you if you add a continuation whatever that happens to be uh but you know these shows are uh, seem to have seen seen a resurgence in popularity so we're going to talk about that with scotty roberts plus scotty and i actually have something that's going to be kind of fun going on that we want to talk about for a few minutes so scotty will be here in the first part of the show and then in the uh, second part of the show Anthony Hamilton will join us. Anthony's an author and a retired professor, and he says that your mind is a time machine. He's got several books, including Mind, Time, and Power, and Cracking the Success Code, and he insists that we can improve our lives by upgrading our brains with some very easy-to-use mental tools. And there's a time travel component here, so I'm anxious to hear about that. Just looking ahead quickly, tomorrow night, of course, is a best-of program here on Beyond Reality Radio. Monday night, Ryan Burns will be with us. Ryan is an author and a podcast host. He's going to share tales of the infamous Skinwalker Ranch. You've heard of this, right? The Skinwalker Ranch is a paranormal hotspot, one of the hottest hotspots in all of the world, in fact. And it's in Utah. It's adjacent to Ryan's home, and he has stories to tell about that particular location. On Tuesday night next week, J.W. Ocker will be here. He's a paranormal author. He'll talk about his books and the history of paranormal stories and legends. And then Wednesday next week, Jim Davies, professor of cognitive science, will be here to talk about his new book called Imagination, the Science of Your Mind's Greatest Power. A lot of great conversations coming up here on Beyond Reality Radio. One of the best ways to ensure that you miss nothing is to go to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Go to YouTube, search for J.V. Johnson, and subscribe to the channel there because there's a couple of things that you'll get for that. There's no there's no fee. It's free. Uh, but you'll be uh, part of our, our international community, and there are back episodes. Uh, all of the new episodes of Beyond Reality Radio stream live there, plus they're archived there for viewing and listening later on. And there's about 400 other back episodes on the YouTube channel. Very easy to find. Go to YouTube. Search for me, J.V. Johnson, 
And when you find the channel, subscribe, hit the notification icon too. That'll allow you to get notified when we stream live, upload bonus content, whatever it happens to be. We'd love to have you as part of that group. Remember, later in the show, we'll take your phone calls at 844-687-7669. If you'd like to join the conversation, have a question, comment, whatever it happens to be, we love having your input on the show. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, Scotty Roberts will join us. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Don't go away. Hey, gang, it's JV here. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Beyond Reality Radio. Some of you are new to the program, and some of you have been with us for years. And no matter if you're interested in ghosts, the UFO phenomenon, conspiracy discussions, or any of the other topics we explore on this program, we do it for you. Our goal here is to help find answers to some of the world's most enduring mysteries. And as we continue to bring you interviews and discussions each night, it's important that we get your feedback and, even more importantly, your support. The media landscape is forever changing, and as it does, we need to be able to change with it. That's why it's important for you right now to go to our youtube channel and subscribe once on youtube just search for jv johnson you'll find it there subscribe it's all free and it'll make you part of our global community in addition beyond reality radio is available as a podcast go to your favorite podcast platform and search for beyond reality radio and subscribe there as well And finally, we have an archive program that you may enjoy as well. This show can be found on major podcast platforms, and it's called Beyond Reality Paranormal. By supporting us in one or all of those places, you can be sure we'll be able to continue to deliver quality shows to you, no matter what form the media landscape takes. As a paranormal historian, I promise you the best and most entertaining conversations as we continue to hunt for the truth. Tonight, we're going to be talking to Anthony Hamilton. I almost said Alexander Hamilton. That would be a real paranormal trick. Uh, In the second part of the show, and he's going to be telling us how to upgrade our brains. But in the first part of our show, we've got good friend Scotty Roberts joining us. We're going to be talking about a couple of things, including the resurgence or a revival, if you will, of paranormal reality television. Scotty, welcome back to Beyond Reality Radio. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. Um, This whole idea that there is a revival in paranormal reality television, I don't know if I made that up or I'm just, uh, if, if if I had a dream about it, I'm not even sure, but it just seems to me that there's a really intense, renewed interest in the, uh, these shows like Ghost Hunters, version two, like Ghost Nation, like the Holzer Files, uh, and there are many, many others that have debuted that seem to be doing rather well. Have you seen the same thing? I've, I've noticed that. You know, I kind of thought, I remember a few years ago, we were all saying, you know, it's paranormal over. television is dead. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's ridden its wave and it's gone. And uh, now, just in the last few years, and from what I've heard from people that I know, uh, it seemed to me that uh, I, I was hearing all these people. I was even getting calls from producers saying, hey, we're putting together this new paranormal TV show. And I said, I thought paranormal was dead on TV. <laughs> and apparently it isn't. So, Well, I mean, a good sign of how much interest there is is a channel that had been known for talking about vacations uh, and exotic places called the Travel Channel has dedicated a great deal of its airtime to paranormal uh, reality programming. That's right. And and it isn't just uh, what, what you might call, and don't mean this so derogatory, but the same old ghost hunting right. type of shows anymore. Right. It's spread into all different kinds of para- things that you would put under the larger umbrella of the paranormal. And then you've got the History Channel doing some of the same things. They're not so focused on ghost 
type paranormal shows. But Ancient Aliens, obviously a very popular show on, on the History Channel. Plus, yes. uh, The Curse of Oak Island, which I wouldn't quite consider necessarily paranormal, but it's close enough that I'll throw it in the category. There's a lot of interest there. And the History Channel is another one that is give, giving this uh, category and these ideas a lot of attention. You know, I saw that. Uh, I, I always liked to watch an the Curse of Oak Island. I enjoyed that. It was they never they never could find what they were looking for, but they kept getting you clues. You know how those show, types of shows go. Um, uh, so uh, I know that's in what its fifth season now, fifth or sixth. Uh, and I have so to tell you, I'm fifth still or sixth even, yeah. and I'm still hanging on uh, every week for the hopes that I get to see something pretty spectacular. Now I have to admit, the last couple of seasons, last season specifically. And so far this season, the revelations have been kind of uh, few and far between on that that particular program. But I'm still hopeful. I don't think there's a treasure there, personally. I think if it was there, it's gone. However, I do hope they at least solve the riddles, you know, solve the mystery. You know, I think they've, uh, as I watched it, they kept finding little bits and pieces of things. But I thought the same thing you just expressed is that, you know, uh, there there might have been something there at one time. But uh, but it ain't there now. And, uh, you know, I just hope one of these days they get off that island. And, uh, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're going to break down um, some of these programs that have seemed to uh, garner a lot of our attention here in the paranormal community. And uh, one of the ones that we should probably talk about first is this uh, reboot of the show Ghost Hunters. Now, that's not on Travel Channel. That's not on History. It's on A&E. And uh, A&E, as far as I know, didn't really do a lot when it came to paranormal, but it went all in on bringing Grant Wilson and Ghost Hunters back to TV. And, you know, I, I have to admit that I have not seen it. Um, for uh, it's it's been back on, and I haven't had the chance to watch it. Though uh, I've I've talked to some people that saw it, and I remember hearing a lot of people say, "Well, I'm kind of confused now. There's two new Ghost Hunters yeah. shows out, yeah." And so um, uh, uh, people were wondering how that was all going to work, and uh, so uh, yeah. I, I guess apparently it's doing okay. Well, not everybody got the memo that Jason and Grant aren't working together anymore, and they. Both right. went in two different directions, Grant coming back with the reboot of Ghost Hunters and Jason going to a new show called Ghost Nation. I want to talk about Ghost Hunters just a little bit, this reboot, because I have watched it. And um, Grant Wilson is a dear friend of mine. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met, particularly when it comes to uh, the paranormal community. But um, I was a little disappointed in the show, I have to be honest with you, Scotty. I felt like there wasn't enough new there wasn't a new approach to what they were doing. It was kind of the same thing. And um, I, you know, I haven't met the, the folks that are on the team, but I didn't feel like there was a lot of, uh, um, I, I don't know if star power is the word. Certainly personality power would be the word uh, to, yeah. to hold my attention very long. And I was a little disappointed with that. And you haven't seen it, so you probably can't really comment. But um, You know, I, I can't comment uh, from having seen it. Uh, of course, I talked to a lot of people. And a lot of people asked me, you know, how's Grant Wilson doing? And I said, you know, I haven't talked to him in quite a long time. Uh, uh, like you, I can I can say that uh, Grant and his wife were good friends, and uh, I but I have not talked to them in a while. And uh, I had heard just through the grapevine the way things go, they said it just didn't seem to have the any new energy. They thought. Uh, about that particular show. They said they thought uh, it looked 
just like the show did before, and they thought it might have something new. And so I heard disappointment from people, and I'm just talking from a critique standpoint, that said they thought it didn't offer anything really new and new new and exciting or, uh, or things like that. That's all I really heard about the show. Yeah, well, one of the things that I think was new to Ghost Hunters in this reboot is that they, they used a lot of, a lot more, um, I don't know even know what, we, what I would call them because there's, it's one thing to say personal experiences, but if I'm doing a, a paranormal investigation, and I hear something, or I see something, I consider that a legitimate personal experience. But I sit there and say, oh, I feel weird. Or I, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. those types of experience are they're they're too subjective to be of a lot of value to me. And I noticed a lot of that in the reboot of Ghost Hunters. And I'm not sure if that if that was intentional, um, or if it's just the way it happened. But um, I don't put as much stock into that kind of experience. Right, and I, and I think that's probably again from what I've heard, not having firsthand experience watching the show, but from what I've heard from people is that. Uh, that was good that they included some of that. It just seemed to be uh, a, one of the things that they tried to have in there, but it was more as it happened to kind of a thing. And so uh, um, people, uh, from what I've heard, they, they said it's fun It's fun to watch the show. It was nice to see Grant again, uh, but they, they thought it was uh, kind of the, uh, and I don't mean this in a really negative way. They just said it's kind of the same old, same old. We were hoping yeah. it would be more. Yeah, and and, and so, there's, there's a great fan base for the show, and I'm we're certainly not being absolutely. hypercritical of it. Just trying to you know offer some uh, I guess opinion. Um, Ghost Nation, on the other hand, I think um, actually um, hit 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 a sweet spot. Uh, I think they were revamped their approach, and of course, Ghost Nation has Jason Hawes, Steve Gonzalez, and Dave Tango as the as the core, uh, and they right. work with other teams around the country on cases. But they, they, they did a nice job, in my opinion, of bringing in more of the personality of the location, uh, both from a, a, a personal character standpoint and a historical standpoint. And I think that added a nice element. They really expanded that part of the story, and I think that makes it a more interesting program. You know, and I will uh, chime in with this, and what I like about that is I've seen other shows that have done that, that uh, have come along the way, and you'll know some of the personalities who were in them. Uh, That's something that I liked about Ghost Nation. While I haven't seen every one of the shows, I did like the fact that they were doing that. They were bringing, uh, I, I love history. You know that about me. Yeah. And so when you go into a place, I don't care if it's 10-year-old history or if, or if it's 200-year-old history. I like hearing the history of a place and why things happen the way they happen there. So uh, I, I found that a, a real, I think, a good twist. Uh, to Ghost Nation. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think that 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 show has um, they found a nice sweet spot there. Um, we've got a couple more minutes here before our break. Uh, let's talk about the Holzer files. Now, of course, another friend of ours, Dave Schrader, is the lead yeah. is the lead investigator on that particular program. I think that the files and I think that the approach they're taking is very very interesting. Um, I haven't seen enough of it to be honest to, to have offer my my conclusion or my opinion. Um, I'm still undecided whether I, whether where I am on that particular show. You know how I know there's a rise in paranormal television is that I don't have time to watch all the shows. <laughs> right, and, that's uh, right. uh, you know, and so I, I've only caught one episode of that, but I have, I was just talked to Dave Schrader very briefly the other day. And I said, uh, Hey man, I said, I've never told you congrats on the show. And he said, yeah, long time coming. 
And, uh, and that's very true. You know, I got into this whole thing. I met Jason and Grant originally, and, uh, and you all through Dave Schrader doing his event. That's right. And uh, so that's where I met all of you. And, uh, you know, what are we talking, 10, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And so, uh, um, uh, and Alexandra Holzer, I, I love her, and I just, uh, I would love to see more of it. But uh, for me personally, uh, I've got to just set the DVR on everything, which I don't do, because I have so much going on that I just can't catch them all. Yeah. But I do like, I do like the fact they are writing a bit on, on, uh, on uh, coattails of the name of, of Holzer, which is just fine. Uh, but uh, um, I think that's what brings an interest to it. And it's always good seeing good people that you know finally get there and and uh, and attain something with a show like that. And so I'm really happy for Dave, especially that uh, he got that up and running. We've got about a minute before we have to go to break, Scotty. Tell us, uh, because you've had your hand in it uh, to a degree, tell us a little bit about Ancient Aliens. Why is that show so popular? You know, I I think it's probably not as popular now as it used to be, uh, because it's kind of run. I felt it run it had run its course, but I think that uh, people like that because it was different. You know, we have all these questions about history, and uh, I I think where the show for me probably started to get repetitive was uh, was when everything was aliens. Uh, and that that tended to be a, a hard thing to deal with when watching the show. But one thing they do, they address some of the ancient mysteries and say, uh, "There's got to be some links somewhere somewhere here." And I think that's what keeps it going. Looking back at these shows, one that you brought to my attention, Scotty, that um, I haven't seen yet, but you spoke very highly of, is Hellier. Yes, tell Hellier. Us, tell us, tell us about that show because I have not seen this one. Sure. Uh, now, this is a show that was conceived by, uh, it was, uh, uh, Gar- Why do I always go blank on his first name, Greg and Dana Newkirk, and also Carl Pfeiffer. And uh, uh, he uh, used to work with the Stanley Hotel. Uh, he, was you know. a, he was also and, a writer for Taps Para Magazine, which you were an editor for, I was the publisher of. Exactly. And, uh, well, and the Newkirks have a little traveling kind of collectors, haunted collectors museum that you'll see at a lot of the shows out there and stuff. And they've been to a lot of different things. And uh, I think they brought great credibility to this topic, and that is the topic that we don't hear enough about, and that's about the elementals. And uh, this has to do with, uh, and I've heard lots of stories about them, uh, some of them from very credible people like uh, John Zaffis and others, but the elementals being the like the small creatures and uh, that that uh, people don't know what they are, uh, but could be chalked up to some of the old mythologies of the fae, the fairy folk, uh, the American versions of that, if you will, uh, the Native American versions of that. And these are beings that they that seem to be lots of stories in uh, Appalachia, in uh, Kentucky, and Hellier, Kentucky, is a small town where somebody that uh, actually was the catalyst for the series, uh, so a series of emails or letters that they received, uh, boy, almost nine years ago now, and they started pursuing this and trying to follow up uh, the story. And the thing I like about the series is that it takes something 
that's interesting, a little bit on the fringes of things that we're familiar with. And they just drove out there and started trying to investigate. And uh, the first season was five episodes. The second season just released and was ten episodes. And uh, what was very, I think, very uh, appealing about the series was the cinematography was fantastic. Uh, it's filmed in documentary style, and it's this group of people that are exploring these claims of these creatures and seeking for them. And some of the ins- experimentation they do, how it's all connected to the mines and uh, things like that, all the mine shafts. And if you remember uh, Barry Fitzgerald, who uh, uh, the uh, Irish uh, man from uh, Ghost Hunters International, uh, Barry uh, talked many times about the beings he would encounter in the mines and the things like that, the things beneath our feet. And uh, this is the same kind of a thing. So it's a very intriguing series. And if you haven't uh, seen it, anyone, you can go over to Amazon Prime and uh, and watch it. It's part of Amazon Prime. And uh, I binge-watched it, and I thought it was a fascinating series. Scotty, there. I don't know if this is an accurate statement or not. Tell me if you agree with it. But it seems to me that uh, shows that focus on cryptids like Bigfoot, um, and yeah. and other such they they come and go. They don't seem to have the same staying power. Do you agree with that? And if so, what do you think the I, reason is? I think you're right about that. Let's say uh, uh, like Hellier or uh, uh, looking for elementals or Bigfoot and so on. Uh, yeah, you can get sightings of Bigfoot, and those things keep happening, and you'll have groups finding them. Uh, the thing about ghost hunting, if you will, or paranormal investigation, is that's something that's always going to be there. Uh, the, 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 the cast of spirits, so to speak, is endless. Um, and you're always going to find a new haunted place and new things that are happening. Um, I used to enjoy the Finding Bigfoot series. Now, of course, the whole goal with that show was never really to find Bigfoot. It was to explore all the different claims out there. And uh, I found it a fascinating show, and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, uh, and I was sad that they had canceled that a couple of years back. But uh, I, I think the longevity is probably due to the fact that more people encounter ghosts or what they think are ghosts, uh, spirits, and things like that from everywhere, from restaurants where they go, or we just went and investigated a barber shop in my town here in a building that's 150 years old. And so, uh, you know, you can go anywhere you go, there can be spirits or ghosts that people think are attached to it. Well, I think there's, an, go- I think there's another element yeah. to that, too. I think that you one of the reasons the ghost angle is a little more popular and maybe more captivating is because it relates to human history. Um, uh, you know, every spirit, for the most part, and I'll simplify things for the uh, for the uh, um, course of this discussion. Uh, every every spirit, every ghost had a, you know was in human form at some point. Has a family, has a history, has a connection to uh, uh, you know uh, some kind of history. Whereas you know a cryptid, a Bigfoot creature, probably doesn't have that same connection. Therefore, it makes it a little more real and understandable to us. Oh, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. Because uh, and you're absolutely right. And I think that's the fascinating thing. You know, we were just at a place, Fort Snelling, here in the Minneapolis area, uh, an old fort from the two uh, from 200 years ago, right near the city. And there was an old concentration camp there in the 1860s after the Dakota Wars here in Minnesota. And they interred about 1,500 or more 
Native American families in the, what was known to be the first concentration camp in the United States. And we were there on the site, which is, there's not much there now. It's a state park with paths going through it. You can stand out in the middle of the woods and say, this was the site of, the trans, of, of this uh, concentration camp. And there was one question we asked, and for time I just cut it down to this, this chase, is while <clears throat> we were doing a spirit box and we were getting a feel for the place, and so on, we're just out in the woods, and we're getting a chatter of voices coming through this spirit box all different kinds. And one of the last questions we asked was, I said, look, if we have connected with you, the spirits of those Native Americans who were here, is there any message you would like us to bring back to anybody? And the voice came out crystal clear, uh, deep gravelly voice, and a male voice, and it said, remember us. And I was, it gives me chills now. Sure, relating yeah. the story. Yeah. And, and so uh, that's you're absolutely right. It's the the connection to humanity. I think with uh, the spirit world that's fascinating. And uh, one of our chat room um, participants made the comment that it also strongly suggests there is life after death. So that is another angle to that whole particular discipline. Um, that intrigues people. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to run out of time here. So let's uh, let's get to uh, what you and I wanted to talk about as well. You and I have decided to collaborate on a little uh, side project. And uh, yeah. this, this is going to be pretty exciting. Uh, I'll let you tell folks what we're going to be doing. Well, uh, Jimmy and I have decided to come together once a week and uh, strap on our uh, thinking caps and all of our intellectual prowess all in one uh, uh, exciting weekly show that's going to be uh, bolstered by uh, ghost stories, uh, bolstered by spirits and spirits and spirits. And uh, so I think it's, it's a grand experiment uh, to see, uh, uh, is it all right to announce uh, the name we've kind of thought would be a good name for sure, it? We sure. What we will do, though, we'll warn folks that, that the, the time, the day, date, the day, the week, the time, and the name are all works in progress. Um, so we're, right. we haven't committed to anything completely, but we are going to start this. So, yeah, go ahead. Um, well, we were looking at, and uh, Jim came up with this name uh, while we were trying to figure out a good one. It's called Booze, B-O-O-S, as in the plural form of ghosts saying boo to you. So Booze, Booze with a Z, and Bruise. And uh, uh, so the the two of us are going to get together uh as the grand experiment here and see uh, what uh, kind of conversation can be concocted uh, by combining all three of those things. And it's a, it's going to be a casual approach to talking about some of these paranormal topics with a little humor thrown in. We'll have guests now and then chiming in, um, but it's going to be an opportunity for people to uh, interact with us via chat, via phone call, and have a little fun talking about some of these topics. Absolutely. And, we're going to... I th- and I, I think you can only have fun where, you, you know, most of the, the, the greatest conversations it seems that we have, you're sitting around, you're having a few drinks, and you go, oh, man, if only we were talking about that. You know, and so there you go. It's kind of a, a grand experiment. So we have to let you go, Scotty, but this particular project will launch tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Yeah. Eastern. And uh, there are going to be several ways it, it can be seen. For now, I will tell you that Scotty and I, both have YouTube channels. Mine is JV Johnson. Scotty, what's your uh, YouTube channel handle? 
Mr. Scotty Roberts. And it'll be on both of those channels as well as Facebook. We haven't worked out all those details yet, but just if you've subscribed to the YouTube, either of our YouTube channels, you'll get a notification uh, when we go live tomorrow night at 9 o'clock Eastern. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Now we've got our second guest of the evening. Anthony Hamilton is with us. Anthony is an author and a retired professor. He's got a book out that's called Mind, Time, and Power. By the way, that's the name of the website as well, mindtimeandpower.com. Anthony, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Thanks, J.B. It's great to be back. I'm going to apologize ahead of time because I've already done it twice and said Alexander yeah. Hamilton <laughs> instead of Anthony. <laughs> no, that was a previous life. Sorry. <laughs> so just so you know, I'm probably going to slip along the way here, and I want to apologize ahead of time because I probably won't catch myself. But anyway, thank you for being here. Let's talk a little bit about you. We've got about uh, six minutes in this segment, um, and that's enough time for us to learn a little bit about you prior to writing this particular book and what we're going to talk about tonight. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, what would you like to know? Well, a little bit about your professional life, and uh, then I want to get into what happened to you as a child that really changed a lot of things for you. Yeah, well, my whole, uh, my whole life, actually, uh, since the age of 10, has been um, uh, driven, really, by this dream I had when I was 10 years old, which I think we might have talked about before. And uh, part of what I saw in that dream was that I was going to eventually be a university professor. And I worked hard to try and get there. You know, I went to university after a break. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I more or less failed out of high school, but 20 years later I went back and uh, got a bachelor's degree and then was working on a master's degree. And the idea was to... Um, to get a Ph.D. and then be a university professor because this was a part of this dream that I had when I was 10 years old. But it never happened. You know, I was in a car accident, life got in the way, and and anyway, I dropped out of university and never did finish my Ph.D. and felt like I had missed the boat, you know. And in the meantime, I had started teaching uh, in college, teaching communication, and I was offered a job by a Canadian university to be a part of a program that they were running in China. And while I was in China, I lived there for four years, and while I was there, I remember one day the, um, the head of the program called a special meeting and said, um, I got some good news. Our college, Capilano College, it was called from North Vancouver in, um, in British Columbia, has just received our charter from the province of B.C., and now we're officially univer- uh, we're <laughs> Capilano University, and all you faculty members are officially university professors. And they passed around a box of uh, business cards, and on my business card it said, Anthony Hamilton Professor of English Communication, Capilano University. And that blew my mind. And that was just one of the things in that dream that came true, you know. Oh, yeah. And so that was the most recent thing. So that, um, that happened in 2006, I think. Now, you've described, so, you've described the dream, quote-unquote, which is the word you're using now, as an out-of-body experience, right? Yeah, that's right. I fell out of a tree and banged my head and sort of knocked myself out. And while I was unconscious, 
I felt or experienced sort of being outside my body, looking down at myself, and I realized, you know, or at least I felt, I mean, I had this sensation that I was looking at myself at the age of 32. And so I realized, and it's, I guess that's what you call an epiphany, right? Sure. I mean, some of these words, and, and we'll probably get into this later, but some of these words that people use don't really have a lot of meaning. You know, I mean, psychic ability and precognition and, you know, those kind of things, what do they mean? Well, you know, we can talk about those later. But So I had the sensation that I was looking down at myself at the age of 32, and I knew that I was going to be writing. I knew I was going to be writing books. I was going to be teaching people, traveling, earning my living as a success coach and a happiness coach and teaching people how to live better and more productive and happier lives by using the power of their mind. And I also knew that I was going to be a university professor. I was going to be married to an Asian woman. You know, there was a whole string of things that wow. kind of came to me in a flash. And in the in the East, they have this expression, you know, enlightenment is like a flash of lightning on a dark night. And that's what it was like, you know. It was just, I don't know how long this dream was or this inspiration or this epiphany. It might have been, you know, 10 seconds or 1 second or 30 seconds. I don't know. But I just had all this sort of insight into my future, and progressively since that time, um, more and more of these little details about this dream have come true, some through my own making, you know, like writing books. I mean, I've written a few books, and of course, that was a conscious effort, you know. But the thing about uh, becoming a university professor, I tried for a decade to create that consciously by going to university, and it didn't happen, and it happened by a complete fluke, you know, through something I I would never have been able to predict, except, you know, <laughs> I did predict it in a way, but, but I mean, I had no idea how it was going to happen. I'd given up on, on that goal, you know, or that dream, but it happened. So um, I did about, I guess altogether, about 20 years of research on physics and psychic phenomena and religion and mysticism and a whole series of different things. And finally, when I was 32, um, I figured out what that dream was all about. And uh, since then, I've been talking about it. And what, uh, and that was the origin of my book. That's, after that, I wrote my book, Mind, Time, and Power. Anthony, tell us about this book. The book um, describes a new model of consciousness which is based on Einstein's physics. This all gets very, very complicated to me, so why don't you explain it in terms that I can understand it? Well, it sounds complicated, and I'm certainly no uh, physicist, but like a lot of people, I'm a big fan of Einstein because he uh, totally changed the way we we look at the world, you know. And um, so the uh, the work of Einstein actually was an updated or updating of the work of Isaac Newton, who discovered the laws of motion, right, in the 17th, or I should say the 18th century, 1772 or something like that. And um, so he described the world like a big billiard game where atoms would hit each other, and and uh, so that was an event. And if you've ever played pool, which I'm sure you have, you know, uh, the cue ball hits the ball, and, and then that ball can in turn hit another ball. Sure. So um, you see this sort of string of events happening, 
And um, so the way that uh, Newton described the universe was that everything happens by um, a series of events. Time flows from the past into the future. And so, therefore, uh, the cause of any event must be in the past, and the effect of an event, i.e. another collision, perhaps, you know, would be in the future. So this is the way people saw the world. And, of course, it made a lot of sense, you know, and for, you know, from our normal sort of day-to-day standpoint, um, this is how a lot of us see the world. You know, like when I drive to work in the morning or whatever, you know, that's that that kind of a scenario, that kind of a model of reality makes perfect sense. I leave one place and I, you know, drive for half an hour and, and I'm in a different place. Sure. Well, Einstein came along and, 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 and changed everything. He said, you know, um, there is no such thing as the past, present, or future. As a matter of fact, he said, uh, something that happens could be in the past, could be in the present, could be in the future. It all depends on your frame of reference. And his his theory of relativity talked about that. You know, you might have read about this. You know, where mm-hmm. where somebody's on a train, you know, and they and they flash a light, or or maybe they flash two lights, and uh, a person who's on the ground, let's say standing by the train tracks, sees these two lights in a certain sequence. Somebody else, if they're on a different plane or or a train, perhaps going in a different direction, they would see things in a different sequence. You know. So he said that the the difference between the past, the present, and the future is an illusion. So that's one thing he said about um, about time. One other thing that caught my attention was he said that uh, there is no time and there is no space. And, of course, as far as Newton was concerned, um, he said space is absolute, time is absolute. And uh, Einstein said, no, there is no absolutes. Um, there is no time and there is no space. What there is is space-time. It's a four-dimensional continuum, you know, as he called it. And um, he said the laws of time and the laws of space are mirrors of each other. So what's true about space is true about time. Now, when I had this dream, I saw myself in the future at the age of 32. And um, so when I was 32... I had learned in the previous year, so I took a course in mind power because my life was basically going going down the tube. I said I basically failed out of high school, and uh, so I traveled around the country doing a series of you know construction jobs and things like that. I worked in a mine, 3,500 feet underground, and um, so my life was really going nowhere. And but I. All this time, since I had the dream until now, which was about 28, I was about 28 or 29 years old at this time, and I had been reading everything I could about time travel. You know, there's a lot of popular novels uh, written about time travel. Star Trek had just come on TV. This was in the mid-60s. You know, Doctor Who, I think, was on a few years later. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there's no shortage of, of movies and books and stories about time travel. So I was reading about time travel, reading reading science fiction. I was reading books about success because in the dream I was supposed to be teaching people about success. So I was I was doing this research to try and figure out how this dream could possibly work. 
and Einstein and his new physics was one of the things that I was reading. So this idea that uh, the laws of time and the laws of space really intrigued me. So um, when I was about 29 years old or 30 years old, I took a course in mind power, and I got introduced to things like the law of attraction and meditation and visualizing. And so I started doing visualization exercises, and I really got into it, and I was doing probably a half an hour visualization exercise uh, every day. I did this for years. I still do it, as a matter of fact. But, but for a while, I was religious about it. You know, I was, I was doing these visualization exercises every day. And um, so when I was about 31 or so, uh, I was doing a meditation. I was living in Vancouver at the time, and I was doing my daily meditation sitting on the beach in Vancouver, and I was trying to remember positive experiences in my past because I, what I realized was I couldn't remember any. Whenever I thought of my past, whenever I thought about school, whenever I thought about my parents, whenever I thought about the church, you know, being raised as a Catholic, mm-hmm. all, the, all that would come up for me was anger and resentment and feeling like I'd been ripped off and cheated, you know. And so I realized one day I don't have any positive memories of my past. And yet I must, have, I must have had positive experiences. How come I can't remember any? So I was doing this exercise where I would sit down for half an hour every day, close my eyes, and try and remember something positive. And I remember that for the first week or ten days, I couldn't remember anything positive. Everything I thought of you know, just made me angry and frustrated. But after about ten days, I suddenly remembered um, baseball. Yeah, used to love playing baseball with my friends, mm-hmm. you know. So the next day, I went back to that baseball game, and I tried to remember more and more about it. You know, what did I do before the game? What did I do after the game? And I remember I did this every day for about two months. And every day, it seemed like when I went back into that memory of this summer when I was playing baseball with my friends, um, I could remember more and more about it. I remembered all the people on the team, and I remember their, you know, some of their parents' names and their pets' names. I remembered some of their phone numbers. And to me, the experience was like taking a, like an oil painting or something and cleaning all the dust and the dirt off it, and it seemed like every time I went back to this memory, I could remember more and more details. And then one day, I remembered that after this baseball game, I had climbed up to the top of this tree that was near my house, and I fell out of this tree and knocked myself on the head and had this dream. And in the dream... I was teaching people about the power of the mind. I was writing. I was lecturing. I was making my living as a sort of a success coach. And it was like, bang, a whack on the side of the head. My eyes shot open, and I suddenly realized I just had the same dream. But I had it from the other end. Rather than being 10 years old, thinking of somebody at 32, I hear I was 32 remembering being 10. Mm. And this idea from Einstein that the laws of time and the laws of space are mirrors of each other, I thought to myself, that's it. That's it. You know, from this end, I would call it a memory. I was remembering this dream at 10 years old, right? Right. But at 10 years old, somehow I was connected to myself at 32. Now, if I was 
So I thought if, if the laws of time and the laws of space are the same, then what if memory is not a recording, which I had always thought? Right. What if memory is kind of a connection? You know, like here's you and I now speaking on the phone. I'm on my phone and you're on your phone or, you know, your microphone in the studio. So we're connected, right? So the information from me and you is going back and forth between these two points in space. And I thought, what if memory is the same thing in time? If I'm connected at 32, if I'm connected to the 10-year-old kid, it makes sense that the 10-year-old kid must be connected to the 32-year-old. So I, so I thought that, for the first time now, 20 years later, I had an idea, I had an explanation for how it's reasonable that information from a 32-year-old could be in the mind of a 10-year-old, you know? And so that was my first bit of insight, which was that thinking, or memory, because memory is just a special case of thinking, uh, memory is a connection. And, of course, I'd been reading all these success books because what I saw in the dream was I was going to be teaching people about success. So I'd been reading, you know, Think and Grow Rich and the Power of the Mind and the Power of the Subconscious Mind and, you know, all this kind of stuff about success. And what I realized was if there's any key principle of success, all the positive thinking books, you know, you've got you to gotta have persistence and a positive attitude and expectation and commitment and, you know, there's all these principles of success. Mm -hmm. But if there's one principle that is the key one, it's a goal. You have to have a goal. You have to decide where you want to be in the future. And I thought, that's it. Memory works in the past and in the future. And what we call a future memory is a goal. Nobody is successful unless they decide what it is they want. So that was the key insight that led to me writing this book when I realized that memory works in the future as well as in the past. And this was in 1980, right? So I've been doing workshops and talking to people about future memory ever since then. Now, when I came back from China after working there for four years and, you know, becoming a university professor and marrying an Asian woman, which I did not expect when I went to China. That was a part of that dream, too. I started doing research again on mind and time. And what I realized was in the early to mid-90s, something which I didn't realize before I went to China, uh, using something called a functional MRI, scientists at, at the U of T and Harvard University um, they discovered something called neuroplasticity, which is now kind of a buzzword. A lot of people have heard about neuroplasticity, which is basically the idea that you can exercise your brain just like you can exercise a muscle, mm -hmm. and you can literally build new brain cells. The other thing that they realized was what they now call mental time travel, future memory. The person who was the leading, at the time, the leading researcher in memory, a guy named Endel Tolving, Dr. Endel Tolving, who worked at Harvard and also worked at uh, U of T in Toronto, um, he, again, using the functional MRI, watching people do memory exercises in the uh, laboratory, realized that when people were not doing the memory work and were just simply relaxing and, and literally daydreaming, their mind was doing exactly the same thing 
that he recognized from the MRI. He was, he was used to looking at people's brains remembering because you could see it on the MRI, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, so he, was, he, he was giving these people memory exercises, you know, like a list of ten words, you know, whatever, repeat these ten words back. And then he'd say to the people, okay, relax, you know, and, and we'll do another test in a few minutes. <clears throat> and he would see the people and he'd say, oh, they're remembering something because I can recognize that pattern of brain right. activity. Right. And then he would, he would ask the people, you know, what were you doing when, when I gave you that break? And they'd say, oh, I have a dinner party coming up next week, and I was actually thinking about planning this dinner party, and that's what I was thinking about when I was resting, you know. And he realized when we think of the future, it's exactly the same thing as memory. So he was the person, Endel Tolving, he was the person who coined the term future memory. Anthony, I want to grab a quick listener call here. Someone's been waiting on hold for quite some time, and we only have a couple minutes before the next break. Dee from Florida. Hey, Dee, welcome to the show. You're on with Anthony. Mr. JV, and hello, Mr. Anthony. Um, I wanted to ask you a um, kind of left-field question. Um, I have seizures, and um, since I was very young, since the first grade, and I'm now in my 50s, I want to know, um, I have this weird uh deja vu feeling and a lot of times I feel like I am in like a third world dimension and I've tried explaining this to my doctors before and they have never heard of this and they just say well that's probably from oxygen being cut off to the brain, and it's a delayed reaction. Um, but it is something totally different the older that I get. And my brother has been passed away for about six years now, and my mother for going on 18 weeks. And... I have been going into these weird states, um, not really like going into convulsion seizures. Do you, just a quick question, then we're going to have to move on here, though. But do you have um, visions uh, when you have these particular episodes? Um, no, it's really a feeling of deja vu, mm-hmm. um, but it's not necessarily in a time set. It's just a strong feeling that comes up, like from my abdomen. I've been here, done this before, okay. and well, let's, that's let's... when I've started hearing, you know, like my brother's voice. Oh, you were hearing voices and stuff from, uh, okay, Um Anthony, I don't know if this falls into anything that we're talking about here tonight, but what's your impression of what Dee is telling us? Yeah, well, I've experienced that kind of thing uh, fairly often, Dee, where, where I feel like this has happened to me before, you know. Now, one of the things that, um, you know, one of the points I want to make is that what we call mental time travel now is basically another word for thinking, Right. So there's lots of examples of people having a deja vu experience because they've had a dream about the next day or the next week 
which in fact was a connection. If you heard me say that thinking is a connection, you know, so they might have had a uh, a dream, which we would call a precognitive dream. Let's say, right? That's one way to describe it. And then, of course, when that situation happens, uh, they get this feeling that, hey, I've experienced this before. So it could be something like that. People that um, that do a lot of goal setting, like myself, where I'm visualizing things happening in the future, and then when they happen sometimes, I get that kind of eerie feeling too, that, hey, this seems like something that I've experienced before. So I would just, I would just, uh, you know, consider it a, an ability or a talent or, or a, or a uh, sensation that is a part of you, and probably it's, you know, it's all for the best. Thanks for the call, Dee. We appreciate you uh, chiming in on this discussion. Um, you were talking about the observation that the uh, brain patterns in someone recalling a quote-unquote memory are the same brain patterns as someone um, envisioning the future, which uh, provides the what the term was, future memory. Um, That's right. Is this something that people can do uh, at will? Uh, or do they have to be trained to do this? No, absolutely. This is the most natural thing in the world. So uh, one way to, you know, one, one word that we use to describe it is called daydreaming. Okay. We all do so that. So if, if you just simply close your eyes, you know, um, what happens is automatically you start thinking about things in the past and things in the future, what you have to do next week or what you did last week. You know, it, it's the most natural thing in the world. Now, the, um, the skill comes in, and this is where the power in my, in my title comes from, Mind, Time, and Power, um, is that by using meditative techniques or what you might call mindfulness, which is a popular thing these days, learn how to control your attention. And this is, this is what people who set goals do. And we've all done it. I used the example earlier of uh, you know planning a dinner party, right? Well, all of us have planned a vacation or a dinner party or something like that where we sort of mentally project ourselves into the future and we say, oh, gee, I'm, I'm going to have 15 people in my house next week. I, I'm going to have to borrow some chairs. You know, I don't have enough chairs. So maybe I'll ask my friend Joan if I can borrow some of her folding chairs, right? So this is what happens in our mind automatically, and we do it all the time. Every time we go to the grocery store, you know, we plan what we're going to buy. We go to the grocery store, we buy it, and then we come home, right? So we're always achieving goals, but most people have not practiced or haven't learned how to set what you might call life goals, you know, where you plan what you're going to do a year from now or five years from now. And uh, But simply by changing your your perspective or changing your self-image, for example, and seeing yourself as a person who systematically starts deciding what they want and starts deciding on the kind of goals and things that they want to achieve, this part of your mind starts to kick in. So we've all done it, you know, when we've gone out and found a job or searched for an apartment or bought a new car, you know, we've all done it. And oftentimes, when we think about it enough and we decide that we're going to buy a new car, you know, we're going to buy this red Chev or whatever it might be that we like, you know, we start looking around for it and we start to get ideas. Call this number, look on, you know, look online, talk to a dealership, talk to your friends, you know, and we start to gather ideas about how we might find this 
Chev. And uh, so this is exactly what we do 24 hours a day, every day of our lives. The, um, the thing that we don't do, only about 3 to 5% of people do it systematically, is sitting down, deciding on what kind of goals we're going to have this week, this month, this year. Kind of like building a house, you know, like anybody can hammer a nail into a piece of wood, but how many people can actually build a house? Well, carpenters do it all the time, right? And it takes practice. It takes a bit of learning to do that. So by, by learning how to set goals, and there's a thousand books on it. I mean, mine is only one. You go to the self-help section of your library. There's all kinds of books on life design, planning your life, goal setting. And if, you, and if your listeners simply practice things like visualizing, goal setting, making some decisions, whether it's to lose 20 pounds or find a new job or plan a vacation next year or, you know, move to a different apartment, um, this part of your mind automatically kicks in. And, of course, we don't notice it because we just call it thinking, right? Right, right. But... You know, but it's really, it's really a, um, a very powerful technique that people like, uh, you know, Steve Jobs, uh, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, you know, these people are obviously very skilled at coming up with an idea about the future and then working towards it systematically. Would you consider this particular technique and process by which you, what you've described, uh, is that our mind connecting to the future, or is it basically creating the future? Well, it depends how you want to look at it, you know. Um, now, I described this dream that I had, and one of the things that I saw in the dream was that I was going to be writing books. So when I got to be around 30, uh, I decided, okay, well, I can make this dream come true. I can take a typing course, which is what I did. Right. I learned how to type. Mm -hmm. I took a night school course and learned how to write newspaper articles and magazine articles, started writing, started earning money as a writer, as a uh, freelance writer, and eventually, you know, I, I wrote this book. So that was something that I did systematically, step-by-step, step, learning how to type, how to plan an article, how to plan a book, and how to write, you know. But the thing with the university professor, right. that was a goal that I had that I didn't achieve, but it happened by a fluke, right. you know. Mm -hmm. But when it happened, which was in 2007, I think, um, I had been thinking all my life about this dream. So obviously, when, when this event happened and, and the college I was working for got their charter and became a university, and I was given this box of business cards saying, Anthony Hamilton, professor of communication, um, that was a mind-blowing experience, but I could still remember that 10-year-old having that dream. Right. So in other words, the 10-year-old was not only connected to me at 32, it was connected to me at 33, 34, 35, 36, you know, because I was remembering that dream all, all the time. So it makes sense from the perspective of the 10-year-old then that he would have information about me at 30, 40, 50, 60. Now I'm in my 70s, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's how I understand it now. Now what do we call this? Well, I don't know. I mean, is, it, <laughs> is this a part of our soul? Is this a part of our unconscious, part of our subconscious? 
you know, you yeah, tell me. Right. Let's. Um, we really don't have a language to describe it because it's it's relatively new. What we used to call it was psychic ability, yep. telekinesis, you know, paranormal abilities, That's you know, right. uh, precognition, remote viewing, astral projection. Astral projection. Yep. Mm-hmm. These are terms that we use, but actually, if you think about it, if you think of that your mind is a time machine and thinking is connecting to other, other places in time, then basically every time you remember something, you're doing astral projection. Let's uh, jump every back. Every time you set a goal, let's you jump. Know, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're in a sense traveling in time. Let's jump back to the listener line. Let's get Fred from North Carolina. Hey, Fred, welcome to the show. Yeah, always great shows, but this is superlative. Uh, Anthony, I'm really, really loving this. I'm going to get your book. What I like is you've tied some science, like the MRIs, which for millions of years we couldn't do, and now they're doing the brain. The guy says the memory is flashing here, and then they give them a break, and they sees the same thing, and they're planning a dinner party. Now, what I, my argument is I'm trying to determine if we decide anything. You mentioned precognitive dream. I mean... J.V. had a woman on who had a dream. She didn't know what the word twin meant, but she had twin the Twin Towers and, and, and saw the disaster but didn't understand where it was at the time. And so, you know, uh, and here's what I have been able to recently do. I, can, I could do it lo- lo- intermediate term, but now I've gotten, with computers, I've gotten down to, to the very minutes and seconds on something that's considered totally random. People have written books. And I can project at times for a number of hours of certain things that is unpredictable, supposedly. And so it tells me, and it's precise, so it tells me that is predetermined. And I'm I'm thinking everything may be. I mean, Shakespeare says we're all on stage, but... But you've you've covered some of this backwards and forwards in the time space with uh, Einstein. You described that beautifully in... Uh, and his uh, and in the last thing I'll mention is uh, his unified field theory. He he could never think of one thing, and I think it's maybe love. I think love mm. may be the third, you know, the force that uh, the last force. But I'd I'd be interested in what you think about, you know, whether whether we we think we're making decisions, but they've been pre done. Well, thanks very much, Fred. I really appreciate you saying that and asking that question. So, you know, what we love to do as people is put things in a, in a box, right? You know, put it in the category. Is it this or is it that? You know, is it, is it natural or is it paranormal, you know? Well, it's a combination of both. You know, life is not uh, an accident and life is not purely by design. It's both. Now, one of the things that I got into was reading um, Eastern philosophy, you know, Buddhism and Hinduism, while I, was, while I was researching this dream, trying to figure out what it meant, right? And they have a lot of stories in the East about the way things happen in the world, right? And one of them is to use the analogy of, uh, of seeds, you know. If I have a piece of property, I can plant an apple tree in there. I can plant an apple seed in that piece of property, I can do it consciously, willfully. I can have a goal, if you want to call it that. And I can plant that seed in the ground, and I know that in a few years I'm going to have a tree that's going to produce apples. So that is something I'm doing consciously, right? But if I don't do anything to that piece of property, seeds are going to blow in. There might even be an apple seed that blows in. But more than likely, there's going to be grass seeds, dandelion seeds, and things like that. So what we can do as people is we can choose what kind of seeds we want to plant 
In other words, we can choose what kind of goals we want. We can choose the kind of body we want. If we want to be healthy, lose weight, gain weight, build muscle, you know, there's ways we can do that. We can choose the kind of work that we want. We can choose the place that we want to live, and we can move there. But if we don't make any choices, something's going to happen, right? I mean, we're going to have some kind of body. We're going to have some kind of job. We're going to have some kind of relationship. So I think, Fred, that the, that the, um, that the answer then is life is going to happen to us anyway. But by putting a little bit of mindfulness in there, by putting a little bit of goal setting in there, by making some decisions and planning more of your life, you gain the ability then to influence what happens to you to a degree, and you end up having more of what you want and less of what you don't want. Fred? Uh, yes, my, my point uh, is that I think that you think you're consciously doing, but that may have been predetermined. One last thing, Nostradamus, do you know about when he was buried and what happened when they were redoing the monastery or whatever, that uh, they were going to open his grave? Do you know that story? I don't, Fred. Well, not, when no, they, not that particular he, first story. First of all, no. he was buried in the wall because he didn't want the Kabbalists walking over his grave. He said. <laughs> so <laughs> when they were remodeling the church, they opened his grave, and he had put a ribbon with a bronze medal around his neck, and it was 1803. He knew they were going to open his oh, uh, wow. coffin in 1803. Wow. 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 Well, that's well he was an amazing guy. Yeah. You know? Hey, Fred, thank you but so much. But, of course, we've all heard stories of these amazing saints and prophets and things in the, you know, down through the ages in literature and in the Bible and various various books. So I think all of these things are possible. But, of course, uh, he, was a, he was an extraordinary person, the same as Bill Gates you know, was an extraordinary person. Elon Musk is an extraordinary person. So these abilities that we... I suppose theoretically we all have the same ability, but obviously there's going to be some people that have it to a, you know to a, a very high degree. Fred, thank you so much for the phone call. Always love it when you join the program. Um, Anthony, we're, we've just got about a minute and a half here left with you. Um, we we tried to take a four hour discussion and cramming it into uh, just about an hour, which wasn't enough. But That's right. uh, but uh, we'll, we'll be happy to have you back on. But before we let you go. Um, your book, Mind, Time, and Power, it outlines all of what we're discussing here tonight, right? That's right, yeah, how to heal your past so you can change the past, uh, you can plan and create your future, and you can transform your present by learning how to use your mind as a time machine. And where can people find the book? Well, if you, if you do a search for Mind, Time, and Power on Amazon, you'll find it there. Uh, or as you can, you know, as you mentioned before, my website mindtimeandpower.com, and I've got about a hundred videos on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and do a search for Anthony Hamilton, you'll probably find me too. Terrific! Thank you so much for being here tonight, Anthony. It was great to have you back on the show. Look forward to having you here again. Thanks so much, JV. It was a pleasure as always. If you're looking for a little bit of extra entertainment, go to my YouTube channel. Subscribe now, JV Johnson on YouTube. And tomorrow night at 9 Eastern, we'll be doing um, a program, Scotty and I, called Booze, Booze, and Brews. And it's going to be a casual discussion about paranormal topics. And uh, we've got some guests and some other things worked out, so it should be a lot of fun. That'll be at 9 o'clock Eastern tomorrow night. Again, you'll find it on the YouTube channel. Just search for JV Johnson 
and it'll stream live there, among some other places, but we're working out those other places. So that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for downloading the program. If you're doing that as a podcast uh, later at a different time, that's okay, too. We appreciate that as well. Keep doing that. Share it all with your friends. We'll catch you next time. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and J.V. Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Entercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.taps. For J.V. Johnson, follow at JVJParanormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.